Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Wow, we have a lot going on, so much happening. And it's been, it was yesterday was just a wild day and into the night. Now they're started again on the House, uh, looking at the, uh, taking on the amendments to the House uh, Farm Bill. And what's been, we're going to get an update on what's been voted down, what's still in the mix, whether they're going to get a vote today on the bill or not. It's just a lot to uh, look into. So we're going to get the latest here in just a moment. So stay with us on that. Also, big news. The Ministry of Commerce of the People's Republic of China announcing it has terminated anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigations into U.S. sorghum. Great news for the sorghum industry. We'll talk with the CEO of the National Sorghum Producers, Tim Lust, here in just a moment. Also, we want to keep an eye on the markets. All this going on uh, with the farm bill and everything, we want to take a look at markets. We'll talk with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. And we have some things happening with trade, not only the China situation, but also what's going on with NAFTA. Anything good there? We're hearing a lot of pessimistic talk about the NAFTA. We'll get the latest from Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So all that coming up here on today's program. But first, let's go right to Washington, D.C. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications watching and reporting on the the House uh, Farm Bill vote. Phil, thanks for joining us. Bring us up to date. Uh, We'll get to what happened yesterday in just a moment, but what are they working on now? Well, Mike, it wouldn't be uh, a farm bill without some high drama here on the House floor. Right now, it's, it's fairly quiet. We're, we're winding through the last few amendments. Uh, we just uh, had a, a debate about the pros and cons of unpasteurized uh, raw milk. Um, and there's a few more. There's one, the, the last one uh, on the schedule is one that would repeal the uh, Waters of the U.S. rule that the Obama administration put in place. And that make it easier for the, uh, the EPA to, uh, to uh, get in. Uh, a replacement rule put in uh, installed but what's going on behind the scenes is the leadership is uh, trying to work out a deal with the house freedom caucus the uh, most conservative uh, group of members in the uh, house of representatives to uh, to get the votes that the gop leadership needs to to get this bill passed it looked for a while there yesterday like that might not happen it looked like this vote could really be delayed. I, we saw comments from the Freedom Caucus saying, you know, uh, we can hold off on this. Uh, they were more focused on immigration. So it was kind of shaky there for a while whether this would get uh, voted on today or not. It is, and there's still some uncertainty about it. Uh, yeah, the Freedom Caucus uh, went over in the Rayburn building across on the other side of Capitol Hill, had a meeting about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At one point, the, uh, so they talked by phone with Steve Scalise, the uh, Republican whip. Uh, Mark Meadows, the chairman of the group, came out and said, uh, we don't uh, we don't have a deal. There's no urgency to do this uh, farm bill right now. We, uh, it's important to get this vote on immigration um, nailed down first. They continued to talk last night uh, with the leadership, um, and they've been uh, talking again this morning. Um, it's how much of a commitment they're going to be satisfied with from from the leadership before they before they deliver their votes. 
Now let's look at yesterday. Uh, some uh, a lot of focus on the sugar program. That was quite a debate. Finally, the amendment uh, was defeated. But tell us how that played out. Huge victory for the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway. This was this was supposed to be a nail biter, um, and it was fairly close. The last time we had a farm bill up on the House floor back in uh, 2013, uh, but this. Uh, but this time, it turned out to not be close at all. The uh, amendment was defeated 278 to 137. But it's, it's really interesting, uh, Mike, that uh, the partisan politics of this bill actually, actually played in favor of the sugar amendment. Um, Chairman Conaway went to the GOP leadership and said, this is a poison pill. I've got to have your help in defeating this amendment. I can't support this bill if this amendment passes because it will mean, it will start unraveling other commodity programs. He got the Republican opposition to that amendment up from 95 votes in 2013, June of 2013, to 132 yesterday. On the other side of the aisle, Colin Peterson is the top Democrat on the House Agriculture Committee. He went to his colleagues yesterday morning and said, look, I've, unite, I've, I've united behind this bill. I've led the opposition to this bill because of these uh, food stamp reforms. Now I need your help. Vote for me. He got 20 more votes against the Sugar Amendment than he had last time. So hence you had the big majority and, a big, and the partisan politics behind this bill was a big part of big reason for that yeah that was interesting how that played out now there was a lot of focus a lot of commodity groups were very concerned about an amendment that uh, could do away with uh checkoffs and that was expected to be a big battle but that amendment's not even going to be voted on is it yeah pulled at the pulled at the last minute well not off not offered yeah um not sure yet exactly what happened there uh we talked to Congressman Dave Brad, who was a sponsor, of, uh, lead Republican sponsor of that uh, yesterday. He was uh, still still planning to have a vote. Um, it would have been a tough one to, to get approved. Uh, didn't really expect it to pass, but the, you know, they pulled it. So there was uh, no vote and no debate on it, actually, as it turned out this, this morning. There was even debate over uh, amendment that would basically do away with uh, any government payments at all for agriculture, right? There was, and there's a great story behind that. Uh, Chairman Conaway was very concerned about an amendment to cut crop insurance um, or to tighten uh, payment limits on commodity programs. He didn't want a vote on those. Uh, a, a big crop insurance amendment came very close to, uh, to getting approved back in 2013. So what he worked with the leadership, and what he did was he saw this amendment. Uh, he said he didn't know that it was going to be filed by uh, Congressman from California, Tom McClintock, and it was, as you described, it was an amendment that would just simply phase, uh, phase out all commodity subsidies and crop insurance subsidies. Uh, anyway, Chairman Conway worked, worked with the Republican leadership, the chairman of the House Rules Committee. They said, Okay, this is the amendment. This is the vote we'll give the House on farm programs, and this is the only amendment, knowing that there was no chance. It went so far, there was no chance that it would pass. And, of course, it, it, it turned out to be <laughs> turned out to have 34 votes in favor, uh, 380 votes against. It uh, wasn't even close, which, which, was, which was no surprise. But what was important is that 
that was made the single vote on farm program, uh, commodity programs and crop insurance. Well, it has certainly been interesting and still is. Political theater, I, I call it, and sometimes it turns into a soap opera as well. <laughs> Phil, thanks for all the great yeah. reporting. We'll stay in touch and be watching to uh, see how it all plays out today. Thank you very much. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications there in Washington, D.C., covering the House Farm Bill vote. All right. Big news. China dropping their anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigation into U.S. sorghum. We'll talk with Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers, next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. In 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the donut. Genius. In 1908, Melita Bentz invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie. Mmm, genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia herbicide our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11.
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Some good news on the trade front. China announcing it has terminated anti-dumping and countervailing duty investigations into U.S. sorghum and the temporary anti-dumping deposit collected will be returned in full. Joining us now is Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. Tim, thanks for joining us. Good day for the sorghum industry. You have to be breathing a sigh of relief. Some good news for you. Absolutely. Uh, Certainly extremely gratifying and exciting to, to be able to talk about this today. All right, um, kind of bring us up to date. Uh, you have been going through this process for some time now, providing us all the information that you could uh, to show that uh, um, that this was not a situation where the U.S. sorghum industry was hurting uh, China, not hurting Chinese consumers and farmers. Kind of take us through this process of what you've been dealing with and going through. Well, certainly we've been going through a, an extensive uh, legal process and, and you know working through uh, the allegations related to the anti-dumping and, and countervailing duty cases and you know we certainly agree with China's analysis here that it was in their public interest to terminate these cases and uh, you know we certainly look forward to deepening our trade relationships with our Chinese partners um, you know, this has certainly been a win-win relationship uh, for our our buyers in China and consumers in China, as well as for producers here in the United States. So certainly we realize and, and have always known that this is a, a part of a much bigger trade discussion going on. Uh, you know, we hope the dismissal of this case really reflects some of the lessening of tensions there, but know that there's a long ways to go in terms of these. Certainly from our side, we're just extremely appreciative of uh, the president, uh, Greg Dowd at USTR, Secretary Purdue, and and all the others that have worked tirelessly uh, uh, to keep the profile of this case uh, at a high level in in both countries and uh, certainly know that um, uh, trade won't magically just reappear, but uh, this does allow uh, the 178% tariff to go away. Uh, and allow our industry to continue to move forward with uh, China, which has became, you know, certainly our largest customer over the last five years and a very significant player in our industry. Tim, give us, uh, if you can, kind of a, uh, a a description, an analysis of how much damage was being done, how we were being impact negatively impacted by the inspections and the duties and all that was uh, being placed uh, upon uh, U.S. sorghum by China? Well, it was it was a multiple-facet process. I mean, one, it stopped all trade going forward, but two, the way it was implemented with 24-hour notice, uh, you know, we had over 20 boats on the water that uh, had to be diverted to other countries. Uh, you know, there were all sorts of demerge issues and revolved in that, and and you just can't make 20 large boats magically, you know, go somewhere else overnight. So it's been a significant loss of money by the trade, been a significant loss of money by uh, some of our customers in China, and obviously had a significant price drop uh, on U.S. growers uh, in all of this process. So, you know, this announcement is, is a huge step to be able to allow uh, the trade to, to move back to a more normal pattern and uh, be able to move forward in terms of regular commerce. 
talking with Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. Tim, as you mentioned, you just don't flip the switch and immediately everything's back to normal. How do you see this playing out now as we try to return to uh, where we were before all this uh, set in? You know, I think it's it's a little bit too early to know just how fast that returns, and uh, partly we're at a time of the year here, too, to where, um, you know, we're we're kind of in a process of waiting for new crop, but, you know, South Texas harvest will start uh, here in 30 days, so uh, we're not that far away from new crop, so certainly we're very hopeful to see some new crop announcements uh, over, you know, by next week, uh, some new purchases, and... Uh, you know, we'll have to walk through this and see, um, you know, as we know, um, it's a very complicated situation. So I won't, won't overstate items, but uh, by the same token, uh, we'll certainly talk about the fact that the 178% tariff has been removed, and that is a huge positive step forward for our industry. And welcome back. We had some technical difficulties there. Uh, <laughs> Lost our connection, but uh, I think we are back. Talking with Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorkin Producers. Tim, uh, this is certainly big news, but it, it is a reminder uh, that sometimes, in this case it was sorghum, sometimes a particular commodity gets caught up in the bigger net of uh, negotiations and trade disputes, and that certainly was the case of between the U.S. and China. Uh, sorghum was a part of a, of a bigger issue that is still being worked on. Absolutely, and uh, I think certainly we we recognize that, and know uh, obviously ongoing talks uh, with uh, you know key leaders from China and the United States now, and and how all of that goes, um, you know certainly is something that we will continue to watch. Uh, but uh, you know, happy to say that uh, at least there is a, a one positive bit of news that certainly is huge for our industry here on the front end, and uh, so we will take that and move forward. Yeah, hopefully it's a, a sign of things to come, right? Uh, better relations, trade relations between the U.S. and China. Absolutely. And we know those talks uh, continue. So this has to um, certainly brighten the prospects uh, for exports uh, for U.S. sorghum. Certainly China's not the only market, Tim, but it's a, it's a huge one. No doubt about it. Uh, last couple of years, between 50 and 70 percent of our crop has gone to China, so um, certainly very significant in terms of that. Obviously, we have had a lot of boats that have been diverted, and so have a, a group of new buyers that certainly have, have had an opportunity or will have an opportunity over the next weeks uh, to utilize some of our product. Um, and, you know, happy to see that, but always good also to have a relationship back with some of our our buyers in southern China that have been uh, so loyal and, and we've had such a good working relationship with and really a win-win situation there. Yeah, the negative, you worry about other competitors moving into a market like China if you're out of it. But as you said, uh, on a positive, it maybe got you into some other markets. Uh, can you give us an idea of some of those other key markets for U.S. sorghum and some that may be developing? Absolutely. And, you know, some of those are, you know, Spain is one that's a good example that uh, we've been in in the past. Saudi Arabia, and uh, they really stepped up and bought a significant number of boats, and uh, totally new market for us that we've not been in, and so very excited about that, and uh, working very hard on the technical side to make sure that we have the people there and from a support standpoint, uh, so they have a very positive first experience with U.S. Sorghum. All right, uh, Tim, thank you for being with us. I know a lot of this is just 
just happening. So, uh, as you said, we'll see how it all plays out. But it's certainly a significant development with uh, China uh, terminating their anti-dumping and, and countervailing duty investigations into U.S. sorghum, and the temporary anti-dumping deposit collected will be returned in full. Can you tell us any more about that deposit situation and uh, where that money comes from? We'll go back to you know, that deposit was paid uh, by the buyers in China, and um, there weren't a lot of boats that went in, but there were a few that went in and paid the deposit. And so, um, you know, that will go back to the customers there. All right. Thanks for the update, Tim. Uh, always good to have good news to talk about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Tim Luss, CEO of the National Sorghum Producers. All right. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures bouncing on this Friday after China said that it's dropping an anti-dumping investigation into U.S. sorghum imports. The investigation, which started back in February, was one of the early steps in an escalating tit-for-tat trade dispute between Washington and Beijing that's threatening to engulf American exports of other crops, especially soybeans. Traders are betting that the olive branch makes a resolution to the disputes, more likely. In soybean futures, off the best levels of the early session, trending one to two higher an hour into the trading day. Private exporters reporting to USDA sales of 56,000 metric tons of beans to unknown destinations, but also reporting cancellations of 829,000 metric tons and 120,000 metric tons. July soybeans fell on Thursday, the market pressing against major daily support at 9.94.5. That'd be the low from April 4th. In corn, we sank sharply lower on Thursday, recovering on a Friday, 5 to 6 higher in early trade. On the downside, corn bears are eyeing a retest of the May 14th swing low at 3.94 and a quarter. On the upside, the 20-day moving average first resistance at 3.99. In the wheats, we are 7 to 9 cents higher in Minneapolis, 11 higher in Chicago, and a dime better in Kansas City. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures were 65 to 95 cents higher. Feeder cattle, most active contracts, 65 to 70 cents better. Lane hog futures, a dime to 67 cents lower. Cash expectations on this Friday, steady higher once again. On Wall Street, the Dow is higher, up 57 points. NASDAQ down 24. June crude oil in New York down 13 cents, 71.36. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? 
because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. All the talk about Farm Bill and all these other things that went on. We'll see how markets are reacting. Let's talk with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks a lot. Lots for the markets to kind of react to. Uh, there really is, and uh, the fund managers are liking the commodity sector as a whole, and when that's the case, they tend to interpret these news events through a different light than what they would if, when they're bearish of commodities, and that's working in the favor of producers right now. Okay, let's focus on China. We just talked with Tim Lust with National Sorghum Producers. Certainly good news there uh, with China. Uh, should be able to resume a trade uh, on sorghum. But this is just part of a bigger picture, negotiations, talks going on. There's been some uh, optimistic uh, talk that maybe China is going to, uh, uh, you know, kind of ease off on some of the tensions and tariffs. But there's uh, some skepticism to all that as well. But are the markets optimistic or pessimistic or skeptical about all this? Well, I think it's twofold. I think the trade itself, those who do the business on the international scene, are skeptical and they're worried and they're scared because they know that no matter what China says, there's also a tendency for China sometimes to start slow walking inspections and raise the cost of doing business with China. End users who buy from us have that same fear within China. On the other hand, the funds who a lot of times drive the day-to-day -day action, they're optimistic and they're positive about it because they see a, uh, an inflationary trend in the commodity sector, so they're looking for excuses. And so they're going to see the glass is half full and positive, and I think that's what we see happening here today. I mean, even the cancellation of nearly 35 million bushels of soybean sales by unknown destination this morning wasn't enough to put red on the screen for soybeans, granted because corn and wheat were so much higher, um, but there's, there's a positive mood right now in the fund money, and that's helping prop up the market despite the skepticism. So were those cancellations, uh, were they... Uh, or do we think they were to China? Well, it's unknown destinations, and when it comes to soybeans, it's usually China that is unknown destinations. We don't know for sure, um, but 30.5 million of that was for the current marketing year. The remainder was for the next marketing year. That was within the last 24 hours that happened. What's the timing with that, with everything else that was going on? And frankly, it simply may be because basis has been collapsing in Brazil, and Brazilian soybeans are now cheaper. Uh, and so they may have simply switched origins over to Brazil. That we don't know at this point. But the good news is that so far the soybean market's been holding up despite what has been uh, some bearish chart signals in the soybean uh, complex here of late. 
We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Uh, Arlen, do the markets pay much attention to the farm bill debate? Uh, the markets really don't. Uh, it's part of the long-term perspective as, as traders, be it in the industry or be it on the speculative fund side, as they're looking at their long-term perspective, they're looking at the farm bill. But I don't think it has near the impact on the, the day-to-day or even the week-to-week trade in the commodity markets that it once did. Uh, we're much more of a free market here right now, globally trading global dynamics and fundamentals. And so unless there's something dynamically going to change the direction of production here in the United States, they're not too concerned about it. Now, negative NAFTA news, would that impact the markets? It's going to impact primarily the pork markets at this point. That's what's been most sensitive. And even the pork market has been uh, somewhat insensitive to some of the uh, news that's come out this week. Uh, whenever there's NAFTA news out, that's the place where I first look to see what the market reaction is going to be. And, and despite the fact that we missed the self-imposed deadline yesterday, uh, the pork market actually rallied and, and uh, has been uh, holding firm. So I think the markets are starting to get tired of the news and the flip-flops in the news and focus on the fact that through all of this, We've been shipping an awful lot of pork to Mexico. We've been shipping a lot of corn to Mexico. We've been doing a lot of business with them. And uh, so it's not as sensitive to the NAFTA news as what it once was. More focused on the now rather than what may be the later. Yes, and I think it's, it's kind of human nature. We just start getting desensitized to the news and get tired of trading it. And I think that's what's happened. All right, we're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, uh, what about looking at uh, domestic production as planting continues to really progress? Uh, we look at some of those dry areas on that drought monitor map. Uh, how, how do the markets feel about this year's pr- domestic production? At this point, there's a a real mixed bag out there. We had rapid planting progress in the southern Midwest and uh, thinking that we probably gained some corn acres there at the expense of soybeans. On the other hand, you can look at the band of area in the northwestern Midwest, really stretching from eastern South Dakota across northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, and across Wisconsin that was extremely wet in the first half of May, is very delayed in their planting progress. They've made some progress this week, but it's still been slow going in that area. And it looks pretty wet the next 10 days as well. And we're probably losing some corn acres in that area, kind of offsetting it. But I think the trade right now is assuming a trend yield. Uh, and with the acreage that we're at, 88 million acres, some say we may increase. I, I don't think we'll increase much more than a million acres. If we do increase, I'm sticking with 88 million for now. There's not a lot of room for error. All right, Arlen, thank you so much for the update. Well, the NAFTA talks, uh, where are we there? We're hearing it may not get done this year and more likely next year. Uh, A lot of work yet to be done on some key issues like dairy. We'll get an update from Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stairs. Stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. 
information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation is with us. Dave, what's your take on the, this NAFTA situation? Well, what's happening here is a kind of a confluence of both a timeline and a negotiating process. You know, as we saw last week, Speaker of the House, uh, Mr. Ryan, said that he wanted to see something sent to the Hill uh, by May 17th. Uh, Well, that hasn't happened. I think that was trying to put on some deadline pressure to the negotiations. Um, But if you follow the timeline under the Trade Promotion Authority bill, which governs this, and has very specific uh, criteria that the administration has to meet, of when they have to notify Congress and all this in order to get a bill passed by the end of this year. Um, you could still stretch it out maybe a couple more weeks, but once you really get past the 1st of June, it's hard to see that given this year's congressional calendar how they could get a bill passed before they finish up in December. So they're still under pressure if they're going to get uh, anything accomplished uh, this year on NAFTA to move it along and get it to Congress soon. How close are they? I mean, I thought we were kind of done with cars, but they're still back to debating that, and we're still waiting on the cows part of it, the dairy part of it. So, uh, I mean, we've had a lot of talks. How far along are they really, or how far do they still have to go? Well, it's hard to tell on the autos issue. You saw the Prime Minister of Canada yesterday, earlier in the day, say, oh, we're, you know, we're getting there, we're close on autos. And then you had uh, you know, Ambassador Lighthizer, our trade representative, later in the day said, oh, no, we're not close to a deal yet. So it's hard to tell from the public pronouncements exactly where we are. But uh, I think suffice to say they're not done with autos. They haven't got a deal on how much content in cars has to be from uh, North America, how much has to be, especially the U.S. wants to uh, increase the amount of content that's made in, in the U.S., uh, to qualify for the zero tariff treatment. Um, so they're still working on that. And as you noted, they haven't gotten to a lot of the other issues yet, including dairy. Uh, we don't really hear uh, much of anything about any substantive talks with Canada on either lowering their tariffs or dealing with the Class 7 pricing program, something that's of uh, big import to the dairy industry here in the U.S., or a whole range of other very tough issues, whether it's government procurement, dispute settlement, um, all kinds of other things that are, you know, an important part of the modernization of NAFTA, but all have been kind of hanging on uh, finishing up this uh, auto discussion before they can get uh, decided. Yeah, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer yesterday said, the NAFTA countries are nowhere near close to a deal. We, of course, will continue to engage in negotiations, and I look forward to working with my counterparts to secure the best possible deal for American farmers, ranchers, workers, and businesses. Now, some of this, of course, always political or public posturing, uh, but uh, it, wow, it's, it sounds more and more like this thing could get pushed into next year. Well, it could. It could if they don't come to an agreement again, and they are operating against a, uh, a deadline here where, uh, you know, they can try, the Congress can maybe waive some requirements or at least tighten some time frames that are in there, but they can't go all that far, and they, they do run out of time. You know, usually in trade negotiations, it all happens at the end. So a lot of issues that are very close, but they've decided to hold them off for some negotiating leverage. 
And then once you get the toughest of issues, which in this case is the autos, a lot of those things are ready to go. But here we don't have a good feeling that a lot of the tough issues are actually that close. Uh, again, some of them don't seem to have been really been the subject of very tough uh, discussion yet. And I think on some of these issues, there's, the parties are still uh, pretty far apart, especially Canada and the U.S. on the various measures of dispute settlement. They've kind of very much dug in on that. And there's this whole idea of a sunset clause, the idea the U.S. is proposing where after five years a trade agreement would just be over with and you'd have to start anew. And that's not something that, uh, that in ag and the business community and uh, really thinks is a good idea. We wanted to have trade agreements and have a longer-term certainty to, to plan our businesses around. So that's been a really tough discussion there. And uh, I think you can say there's just a lot of hard work yet to go before this thing can get uh, wrapped up and move on its legislative path. Well, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau uh, was a little more optimistic in some of his comments than uh, what we heard from uh, Robert Lighthizer, saying we could hear some more positive news in the days to come. So we'll see how this all plays out. Meanwhile, uh, we're talking with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, uh, the, the negotiations between the U.S. and Chinese officials, those talks continue. Uh, uh, the sorghum news was good news. Or should we expect more good news, you think? I don't know if we're going to expect much more good news on specifics out of this. I mean, this is a couple days' worth of talks on these really tough issues that are now the subject of a lot of back-and-forth tariff discussion. You've still got the steel and aluminum tariff issue with China. They're talking about that. Um, that's already in place, and the China retaliation on our pork, tree nuts, fruit, and wine is, is already in place, and we're already seeing some uh, results of that, some impacts on U.S. ag exports. And the proposed tariffs on the $50 billion of uh, China imports, uh, that's out there to be looked at. The hearings were this week, and potentially even a future $100 billion of worth of uh, uh, Chinese imports might be subject to future tariffs. That's, uh, that's an idea that also could be added to this. And at the bottom of these issues, again, are China steel production and problems in doing business in China, especially as it relates to forced transfer of technology, and other concerns the U.S. business community has. So there's a lot of deep uh, issues. It's nothing that had started yesterday. These things have been going on for a while, and there's a lot of talks that have to happen. We certainly would like to see uh, any idea of tariffs uh, not be put in place. We'd rather have the talks than the tariffs. So we're hoping for good things over time, but we might, uh, might not see them quite any more on that this week. Of course, President Trump kind of tempered any uh, optimism going into the talk, saying he doubted they would be successful because China's become very spoiled, although he later modified some of those comments. Well, Dave, we'll see how it plays out. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, coming up on Monday, we'll get reaction to the Farm Bill vote and much, much more. Have a great weekend. Hope you'll join us again on Monday on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.